being able to play the piano this morning uh, after going through that procedure, and then came in this morning after our little fellowship time downstairs, and Miss Linda Craig was up here, and she had her torn meniscus repaired this week, and uh, something in her knee there, and so it's good to see her in the service today. And I know a lot of folks that uh, don't need much of an excuse to miss church, and uh, these two ladies have gone through some pretty uh, uh, major procedures this week, and yet they've been faithful, and I think the Lord will honor that. Certainly a joy to have them here. And uh, let me just encourage you again, we've not mentioned it for a couple of weeks, but we started about a month ago um, at uh, having a kind of a pre-Sunday school time period uh, from 9.20 till about 9.50. Uh, on Sunday mornings, just a time of fellowship downstairs, and uh, you're welcome to come. We invite everybody, whether you're a member or visitor, to come and fellowship with us, and uh, we usually have donuts, or this morning we had some, uh, not homemade, but home-baked cinnamon rolls and uh, coffee, and want to encourage you to come and have a time of fellowship with us. We've enjoyed it. A number of folks have been coming to it, and uh, it's just enjoyable to get here a little bit early and have time to get our hearts and our minds focused on the things of the Lord and the day and kind of get the burdens of the day off and not come in. Uh, I, I don't know about you all, but you have, any of you ever experienced getting up on Sunday mornings and it seems like everything that can go wrong goes wrong? You ever have that happen? And uh, then you get here to church, and I mean it's been one of those mornings, and you try to walk in here and you try to put your mind on the things of the Lord, and all you can do is sit there in the service and think about uh, boy, how am I going to fix this problem when I get home? Or how is this going to work out? And uh, uh, this kind of gives us a chance to kind of come together early before Sunday school and just spend some time relaxing and enjoying uh, fellowship and a time of just getting our hearts and our minds on the things of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to come make uh, use of that. And we sure enjoyed it and had a great time with it. Jonathan uh, actually did our uh, cinnamon rolls the last two weeks and so he makes a good cinnamon roll let me tell you uh, he does a good job and let me say once again to the folks that came out yesterday for our visitation thank you so much you don't know how much of an encouragement that is uh, to your pastor I just really cannot get over uh, how good God is and blessing uh, with that number of folks coming out and helping us get the gospel out. No, my prayer is my hope is as the days go by that as we have more and more of these times to go out and visit and tell people about the Lord We'll see more and more people come out for it, and uh, we thank the Lord for that opportunity. First John chapter number 5 this morning. We started last week um, dealing with the topic of confidence in Christ, and last week we uh, shared with you the truth that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, and how we can have confidence in Christ. And uh, this morning we're going to continue that thought line uh, in the area of our salvation. We can have confidence in our salvation. We're going to take some time to look at that this morning, and we're going to begin in 1 John chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 12. 1 John chapter number 5 and verse number 12. John writes, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, <coughs> Excuse me, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Father, we come to you this morning. We're thankful for your word. Lord, what a joy it is to not only have your word to show us our need for salvation, but Lord, to have your word show us the security that we have in you. The fact that we are trusting you as our Savior and that we are kept and you have promised to 
uh, seal us and the, that you would uh, uh, keep us in the palm of your hand. Lord, what a joy it is to our hearts to know that once we are saved, even though we may still fail you from time to time, to know that that mercy and that grace that was shown to us on Calvary is still available and is still secure in our hearts and our minds. We pray that you'll bless all that is said and done in this message this morning. Encourage hearts, we pray, and strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> One of the great truths of Scripture and what we find uh, threaded throughout literally from the beginning of uh, the book of Genesis all the way through to the end in Revelation that God has throughout the Scriptures always pointed to one main theme, and that is the need of man for a Savior. And it's wonderful to think that God loved you and I enough, the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter number 5, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is difficult sometimes for you and I to accept, and it's difficult for you and I to trust and to believe that. Because how in the world could a God who we had sinned against, who we had rebelled against, love us enough that He was willing to sacrifice literally everything he had. He gave his only begotten son, and the Bible says that he put aside his glory, he left the splendor of heaven, and he came to this earth, and he laid aside all of the glory of the Godhead, and became, and the Bible says, according to Philippians chapter 2, was fashioned as a man. He came and humbled himself, and the Bible says he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then as we read in the Gospels, the accounts of the crucifixion and oh how we ought often to read through those scriptures with a heart that is focused on the true sacrifice that was given there and how that was such a tremendous and horrific ordeal. I think sometimes we get too calloused in reading scripture because we've read it before or we've heard it before. We know what the end of the story is. But when we come to the thing of Calvary and we look at the Scriptures in the New Testament and the Gospels, it's, it should never cease to amaze us at what God Himself was willing to go through for one reason, because He loved us. And then to watch as He was in the heart of the earth, the Bible says, for three days and three nights... And after three days and three nights, he led captivity captive and he rose victorious, the Bible says, over death and hell. And he now holds the keys of death and hell. We thank God for that. Amen? And there is therefore now, the Bible says, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. In John chapter number 3, in the great verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The interesting thing is we usually stop there. Verse number 17 says this, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And I think we do a disservice many times in teaching people that the reason that God came was to, to condemn us for our sins. The truth of the matter is He never came to condemn us of our sins, for we were already condemned. Verse number 18 says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What does a man have to do to go to hell? Nothing. 
He is already condemned. And what our, what our, our message needs to be when we go to a lost and dying world is God didn't come to condemn you to hell if you don't trust Him. You're already condemned to hell. God came to bring you salvation from that hell. That's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not that God came to be your judge. God came to be your Savior. We were already condemned because we had not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. But with as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. In Romans chapter number 6, the Bible says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, speaks about the fact that it is not by our works, but it's strictly by faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, the Bible says. And that not of yourselves is the gift of of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt, you see that word? doesn't say might, thou shalt be saved. In verse number 13, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. doesn't say he might be saved, he shall be saved. Now, it's interesting to me how many times uh, people have over the years taught, here's how you lead somebody to the Lord, and they give a method. And there's nothing wrong with knowing the Romans Road verses, and there's nothing wrong with knowing Scripture. In fact, the Bible teaches very clearly that we need to be ready to give an answer to every man according to the reason of hope that's within us. We need to be able, if somebody comes to us, not to have to say, well, you'll have to go talk to my pastor about that. I'm more than willing to talk to anybody and would be glad to do that. But it would be wonderful if God's people could do that. If somebody came and said, how do I get saved? Would you be able to tell them how to be saved? Oh, I hope we would. I hope we would. And so we get to this place where we realize we're a sinner and we realize that Christ came to save us. He paid the sacrifice on Calvary and he offers to us a free gift of eternal life. And I like to say it this way, that the way that we accept that gift is by putting our faith and trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith alone. Faith alone. Now, faith is different than just a head knowledge belief. Uh, the Bible says that the devils believe, and yet they're not saved. And I, I remember reading a thing one time that made good sense to me. It said this, faith is not believing that God can, but it's trusting that He will. It's not believing just that God can. We can all believe that God can. In fact, the illustration many times before regarding sitting down in a chair, and we can look at a chair. Many of you came in today, sat down in one of these chairs, and didn't even think about the idea of whether or not it was going to hold you up or not. You just come walking in there and you sit down in it and you saw enough uh, of the chair and you believed that it would hold you up. But the truth of the matter is I can stand here all day and look at a chair and believe that it will hold me up. But I've not trusted it yet, have I? When I finally get to a little bit, as long as I can still stand up and catch myself, I still have not trusted that chair. I don't care how many times.
And he comes up there and he'll do this for about three or four minutes. He'll, and he's got to work himself up. rolls down onto the floor and he tries again. Until he launches himself into the air, he's not put his trust that he's going to make it there. As long as we can continue to stand back up, we've still not put our trust in that chair. Until we get to the point where our balance is so far back that we're going back. If that chair catches me, great. If it doesn't, I'm going to the floor. Because I cannot catch myself. That's the point of trust. And folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, if we have a belief that God can save us, but we are saying, but I can also do this, this, and this, and it will help my salvation, or I can do this, this, and this, and it will add to my salvation, we're not trusting Him. We have to trust Him alone. Where if Christ moves, if Christ fails... If the shedding of His blood is not enough covering for my sin, then I'm lost. Because He's all that I am trusting. Folks, that is salvation. I know a lot of people who have a head knowledge and believe. But I think there are a lot of folks who've never trusted. Who said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. It's His righteousness that covers me. It's His blood that covers me. It's not my efforts. It's not my giving to the church. It's not my good deeds. It's not my church attendance. It's not the denomination I belong to. It's not how much Bible reading I do or how much praying I do. It is Christ and Christ alone. Can we get this through our hearts and our minds this morning? If there's nothing else we take from the message this morning, realize this, that salvation must be Christ alone. Have we put our faith in Him? Have we gotten to the point where we've said, Lord, I cannot save myself. All that I can do is take this old sinful nature and throw it on Your mercy and Your grace by faith and say, save it. Lord, if You can't, then I'm lost. That's salvation. And by the way, when we do do it like that, It's hard to go through life questioning, am I saved or not? It's hard for the devil to put doubts in our minds when we say, oh, devil, you can't get a hold of me because there's only one thing I'm trusting. You see, if I'm trusting my works, if I'm trusting my baptism, if I'm trusting my church membership or my church attendance or the Christian family I grew up in, if I'm trusting any of those, it's very, very easy for Satan to come into my heart and into my life and say, well, are you really saved? I've known a lot of people who get saved. They, they, I genuinely believe they've trusted Christ as their Savior. But for whatever reason, they begin to go back into a carnal lifestyle. And the first thing the devil does is say, you're living like this and you claim to be saved? We begin to question that. Then we've been trusting our works. And when our works didn't measure up, now we question our salvation. But when we've trusted Him and Him alone, there is no questioning. It brings us to our text this morning in 1 John chapter number 5. Now with all that being said, let's look at what the Bible says. He that hath the Son hath life. 
It does not say that he might. It doesn't say that maybe. It doesn't say that if you do all of these other things, it says that you, if you have the Son of God, then you have life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Look what verse 13 says. John writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may, what's the next word here? Know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. John is writing some promises of God that if we have the Son, we have life. It's that simple. And if we don't have the Son of God, we don't have life. If our faith has been put in Him alone, nothing else, then we have life. If we trust anything other than Him, then we have no life. And John said, I'm writing these things that ye may know. That you can have confidence in this. That you don't need to be soon shaken. That you don't need to go through life wondering at different ups and downs of the Christian life whether or not you're saved. I've known people that have gone to an altar numerous times in their lifetime and said, I don't think I'm saved. And it's because of some circumstance in their life that's brought them low. And they think, boy, I must not be saved because I'm down here. No, no, wait a minute. It's never dependent on where we are. God has saved from the uttermost, somebody said, to the guttermost. God has taken the worst of sinners, and if you can put a degree of sin on, on, on a scale, He's taken people that have lived a fairly clean and moral life. He still had to be as much a Savior to both of them. He still had to save them both from the same hell and from the same sin. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your Christian life if we put our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. We can have confidence in our salvation. It's when we begin to trust other things that we begin to doubt. Now, I do want to say this. There are times that God brings conviction to the heart of somebody who maybe has come to an altar and prayed a prayer, but has left the altar still believing that I can do certain things to earn my salvation. More than just Christ alone. There are times that the Holy Spirit will still prick your heart and conscience sake and you do need to genuinely trust Christ as your Savior. I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, if God were to open our spiritual eyes where we could see the hearts of men as to who has fully trusted Christ as their Savior and who has not, he said he believed it would shock us to see how many folks sit in the pews of our churches lost. There are times with someone. I don't care how long you've gone to church. And again, especially if that's what you're trusting. We must trust Christ and Christ alone. Turn with me, if you will, over to the book of John, the Apostle John, the uh, Gospel of John in uh, chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10, the Bible says in verse number 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not, the works that I do in my Father. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, 
and they follow me. And I give unto Hand. And I love this next verse. I and my Father are one. I love this that God gives us a, an illustration here as Jesus is speaking in His earthly ministry. And He speaks of the fact that those that have trusted Him and put their faith in Him, that God has placed them in the palm of His hand. And the Bible says that no man is able to pluck them out of His hand. And then he goes on to say, God has also put them in His Father's hand. Verse number uh, 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We are sealed. When we've put our faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we may have battles with the flesh, and we may struggle with whether to walk in the Spirit or walk after the law of sin and death. And we may be a spiritual Christian, or we may be a carnal Christian. But the truth of the matter is, if our faith has been put in Jesus and Jesus alone, we are sealed. We are saved and on our way to heaven. And folks, can I tell you this this morning? We can have great confidence in that. We don't have to go about wishy-washy and wondering and scratching our heads. Well, I wonder if I'm really saved or not. When Satan comes up and tries to uh, point out some things in your life and get you to question your salvation. I look at what the Apostle Paul did. He was a great example of this. If there was any one man alive in the history of mankind that Satan could have gone and dug up some skeletons out of their closet, it would have to be the Apostle Paul. If Satan could question any man and cause him to begin to doubt, not only was he saved, but can God even use him? It would have to be, I think in my mind, the Apostle Paul. The man who for so many years went around with letters of authority that were given to him and arrested and put to death Christians. And yet here he is preaching the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's used more than any other single man in history to write more Scripture. He's a man who goes around and plants churches all over the world <coughs> at that time. And Paul was one who certainly knew what it was to have his past thrown up at him and caused him to question and to doubt. For in the book of Philippians, he said, Forgetting those things which are behind I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a target on your back. Brother Larry was talking about it in Sunday school up here this morning. That if Satan's leaving you alone, then there's something wrong. Because anytime we do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, it puts a big old target on us. He can't stand it. And he's going to do all that he can to get you to question and to doubt He's going to do all that He can to get you to say, you can't serve God. Look at your life. Look at your past. Look at the way you used to live. God can't use you. <laughs> if He can use Paul, He can use anybody. I heard somebody say it this, time, this way, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. The Bible says we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we sing a song with our choir. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. Jesus said, as far as the east is from the west, I don't remember them. Can God use you today? Oh, absolutely. You say, Brother Greg, you don't know what I've done. Don't need to. I know that the Bible promises that we are secure in our faith. We can have great confidence in our salvation. And I don't care what you may think in your life or what your past has been. God can use you. You say, but Brother Greg, it's been... It doesn't matter. You can fill in the blank. God can use you. God can use you. I know a lot of people who sit back and say... Brother Greg, I've had a rough life. If I start serving God, people are going to start criticizing and say, why are you serving God? I know what you used to be like. Paul said, forget those things which are behind. Let's press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. What's the mark? What are we pressing toward? We're pressing toward Christ. He's our mark. He's he's the standard we're trying to achieve. The standard we're trying to achieve. I like what brother. I don't mean to embarrass you, brother David. I like what brother David used to say a long time ago. I don't know if you still do or not. But he said, "I'm looking for the first day that I can go a whole day without sinning." That's the kind of attitude to have. Amen. Are we ever going to get there? Not till we get to heaven. But it ought to be the drive of our hearts. It ought to be the drive of our hearts. Forget those things which are behind. God can use you. I think there's probably one thing in this world that causes Christian folks to sit back and do nothing for the Lord more than probably any other thing. And that is they don't have confidence in their salvation. They struggle with it. Satan causes them to question. Not only am I saved, but if I am saved, can God really still use me? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. God used a murderer to do his work, didn't he? Look, look at the failures that God used down through history. You want to look at failures? Look at Moses. Man, what a failure. God used him. Look at Gideon. Gideon was scared to death, didn't know what to do. God used him, didn't he? Look at Samson. Man, talk about a failure. But you know in Hebrews chapter 11, God mentioned Samson in the hall of faith. Well, that gives me hope. It ought to give you hope. That if God can use these kinds of people, look at David, committed adultery, committed murder, and God still used him. Do you have confidence in your salvation this morning? I have two questions. First of all, have you been saved? I'm not asking if you've prayed a prayer and come forward in an invitation. I'm saying, are you saved this morning? Have you gotten to the point where you're trusting Christ alone? That's it. Just Christ. If not, you can get that matter settled today. Secondly, if you're here this morning, you say, Brother Greg, I know I'm saved. Or do you have confidence in that salvation? We, we spoke so much on it last week that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Let's not let Satan get a hold of our past and cause us to question our salvation. Let's get out there and say, Lord, here am I. Send me.
I love the story that's told in Isaiah chapter number 6. <coughs> Excuse me. When in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And he talks about the seraphims that flew around the throne and with six wings. It says, with twain he covered their face, and with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly. Their sole purpose was to fly around the throne and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Isaiah standing there seeing this vision and he falls down and says, Woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. He couldn't even speak in the presence of the holiness of God. You remember what the angel did? He went over to the altar. He took a coal from off the altar and touched it to Isaiah's lips. He tells Isaiah... Your sins are cleansed. You're, you, you've, been, you've been forgiven of these things. And then the voice of the Lord says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, As much as he saw his undone condition in the holiness of God, Isaiah rises up, having been cleansed by the coal from off the altar, and said, Here am I. Send me. Have you been saved today? Then the Lord says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Our answer ought to be, Lord, here am I. I'm not much. I certainly have a past. But it's under the blood. And I want you to send me. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your word. How it teaches us to have confidence in the salvation that you've given. Lord, not arrogance. Certainly not prideful. Lord, we still are humbled by the fact that we're just sinners that have been saved by your grace. Lord, we're humbled by the fact that we don't deserve it. It's unmerited favor. But Lord, we do claim the promises of this great salvation that you paid such a high price for. Lord, for us not to claim the promises of this great salvation is to discount the awful price that had to be paid for it. Lord, help us to have confidence in our salvation this morning. If there's someone here today that does not know you as their Savior, they've never had that time where they put their faith and trust in you and you alone, nothing else. Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. I pray that there would be some that are saved here this morning that perhaps look to their life and say, well, God can't really use me. Lord, may we have confidence in the fact that you've saved us, you've redeemed us. We're sealed under the day of redemption. We have a home in heaven for all of eternity. Lord, that we would yield our will to you. <coughs> Bless the invitation, we pray. Lord, do as you would see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, no one looking around. If God has spoken to your heart, we want to give you opportunity to respond. If you're here this morning, you say,